Accelerating Careers in Real Estate with Nick Carman. Brought to you by McDonald & Company. So welcome back to another episode of Accelerating Careers. I'm your host, Nick Carman. Now, this evening, I'm joined by not one, but two guests. We've got Matthew Neal and Richard Serviday, founders of Area. Now, Area is a leading independent firm of commercial real estate advisors specialising in alternative property sectors. Now, these guys have uh, very gladly come on the um, uh, on the podcast telling me they've got a very similar story. So we're going to really dig into this and we're going to see just how similar these guys are. Um, and I'm not going to make any apologies if we end up with a fallout at the end of it, guys. So uh, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on. It's all right. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. Thank you. So Matt, Richard, the guys who are tuning in now, they're used to listening to just one of my guests. So there's going to be a bit of a challenge for them. So to help them out, I just want to be able to, for them to get to know you a bit better. So they are a bit more familiar about sort of which which voices, who and, and which which story corresponds to you guys. So Matt, help us out. Tell us a bit about, about you. So let's focus on uh, on the on the earlier days, just before that professional career kicks off. All right. Well, um, I grew up in, in the south of the country. I um, went to school in Winchester, ultimately ending up at university studying real estate. But I uh, spent quite a lot of my time running. I can't say I was a particularly academic individual when I was younger and probably uh, didn't aspire to, to to be a sportsman either. So I was very much sort of middle average, I guess, um, in terms of sort of my academic learning. But um, yeah, it, it, enjoyable childhood and um, that sort of set me on the way. Well, te- this tees up the, uh, an ugly duckling story very well, uh, Matt. So thanks for that. Uh, uh, Richard, how about you? Um, I th- my... As a, as, a, as a kid, I, I was exactly a kid. I, I just wanted to play. I wanted to be with my friends. I wanted to try all sports, all activities, and, and didn't really have a, a focus on anything other than ju- just wanting to, to be around people and, and having a good time. And, uh, you know, sim- similar to Matthew, my academic career is acceptable, but it, but it's not outstanding. I, I, was, I was always doing just enough. And I remember my school reports were often criticised with wasted potential. You know, I, I got an, I got enough in respect of just getting the grades to to do to get to get to secondary school. It was then enough on my GCSEs to get to my A levels, and I just got enough to get into university to do my my undergraduate. But as a youngster, it, education was was a kind of secondary objective. I, I just wanted to be around people and having fun. Now, this wouldn't be a real estate interview, Richard, if I didn't ask you what your parents did. So, was your dad a surveyor? Uh, he he wasn't. Um, so, potentially given away by my surname, my my father's Italian, my mother's English. My mother was a tour guide around Europe and actually moved to Italy as a 21-year-old, where she met my dad. And, and I, I was born. We, we lived in Italy until... I was four, four going on five, and um, my my dad ran a couple of restaurants in in Italy. As uh, you know, a lot of Italian families have have family businesses in the hospitality space. But mum and dad separated, and she and myself returned back to the UK. Okay, well then, we've got a grounding then on sort of who um, who you guys are. Let's let's see how how 
these early careers start to shape up. So, Richard, tell us a little bit about sort of what the early days um, uh, for you are when we you know, sort of, let's say, sort of post-university. Well, po- post-university, I'd, I'd sele- highlighted or selected my university degree thinking that I was going to be an accountant. Uh, I was always relatively strong at maths and uh, that, that seemed to suggest a career as an accountant. Um, and I remember having that conversation with my mum after being offered a job at, at PwC upon graduating and, and not wanting to accept it and thinking I was going to be in for a telling off for potentially wasting four years. She was quite supportive, well, I say quite, she was very supportive and advised me that she never saw me as being an accountant and asked me what I wanted to do. And at that point, I said, well, I'd like to go travelling around the world with my friends. And that's exactly what I did. And on that journey, I obviously had my horizons broadened, met some fantastic people and thought I wanted to go into investment banking. So upon returning to the UK, I I applied and, and got a job with Barclays and thought that was going to be the start of my career. But after six months in the role, I decided actually it wasn't for me. I wasn't enjoying it. I, I needed to change uh, and I recognised that early and it coincided with a conversation with a friend of mine who who told me all about real estate and that, that kind of gave me the bug from that point onwards. What about you, Matt? Mine starts a bit earlier because I sort of had a, a father who was in the industry so I knew I sort of wanted to be in property. I'd sort of heard his story about somebody who hadn't really passed any of his college education or didn't have a degree, but spent the first few years of his life, or his career, starting to drive cars for his boss, parking the car and working his way up. So I sort of knew about real estate, but I really, when I was applying, I really wanted to get into Reading. I failed. I, I didn't do very well in my A-levels. Uh, I suppose similar to Rich, I just about scraped through. So I ended up at Oxford Brooks and yeah, I, I I discovered I really enjoyed it. The mix of people, the different characters on the real estate course, uh, it was it was refreshing. And there was it, there was something a bit competitive about the the people on the course. Everybody wanted to to outperform the next, and there was a, a group of us guys and girls. Uh, and and it became it became really very enjoyable. Fast forward, I was the intake of uh, sort of Northern Rock and the the global credit crunch so we started off with the milk rounds of of you know probably hundreds of graduates applying for jobs and it and it ended up with four or five by the time it actually got to the september intake and i was fortunately one of them sitting in a property management seat and uh, that's when i uh, i met rich for the first time okay guys well then let's let's take a, a leap forward then let's let's pick into a little bit of, sort of the career adolescence so let's Let's say it's been four or five years now of real estate. Rich, what, what are you up to at this at this point? I was at Collier's working in the investment team. We were kind of coming out of the financial crisis at that point. Well, no, we weren't actually five years. We were still in the midst. <laughs> Sorry, it seems like such a long time ago. That's right. That's BTSD for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think... I was asking questions of myself uh, at that point because the world wasn't a great place. I'd invested in 
in, in my own education in, in respect of taking out a loan, uh, going back to university to do a master's course. And I understand now, you know, that the university education is is way more expensive than it was even 20 years ago when, when I was doing it. But I, I do remember being at Colliers at that point and, and whilst the people I was working with were, were fantastic and a couple of them I, I still speak to very regularly and still look up to, it, it wasn't a great mood within the industry. Prior to that period, there, there'd been a, an upward trajectory kind of year on year and I entered the industry more or less at the peak of that momentum uh, and and very quickly over the, the next two, three, four years, the, the fund disappeared. Unfortunately, companies were, were laying off people and I'm sat there doing a job thinking, wow, I've, I've called this wrong. What did you learn about yourself at that time? I remember being, I, I've always been somebody... Who, who approaches a, a challenge or, or an activity with the view of, I'm going to succeed. And if the answer or if the path doesn't come to me immediately, then I back myself to find the path, to find the answer, whether it's you know asking people for help, whether it's asking people for, for advice, I will find a path. And... I remember at that point in, in my career, I was adamant that, okay, I'm in a window. It's not great at the moment, but I can change it. And and that, that that's that's always been a key driver for, for me, whatever I'm approach, uh, approaching, whether, whether it's work, play, family, I, I always take the view of I can change what I'm doing to make it better if I need to. What about you, Matt? Instead of saying, let's let's see how you're lining up. Let's say sort of two or three years because you're you're just a little bit younger, aren't you, than, uh, than yeah. Rich? Yeah, two I or three years into a little bit, a little, little bit. bit. I'm 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 southern end of forty, so yeah, a few years between us. But yeah, I turned up as a graduate right in the middle of the of the credit crunch and and right in the middle of a recession and it, and it was tough you could see that around you and you have the reality check of realizing that you're you're a graduate and you've just come from university and for you it's you've been learning about the industry and you're sat around hundreds of people where you you sort of had that reality check that it's their career and this is how they earn the money and this is how they pay the bills and and you had to be different you had to do something um you know, you had to be spe- not special, but you had to sort of approach things in a way I think which were creative and different, and that stood out from from everybody else. Because if you didn't, and if you didn't achieve, and you didn't push on, and you didn't learn quickly, and you didn't grasp what the client or the or the or your or your boss wanted, then there wasn't going to be space for you in that business. But um, you know, Rich and I were both at Colliers, and Colliers were going through a, a you know probably one of the worst times for the consultancy business. They they ended up going into uh, um, administration and being bought by the Canadian pen, uh, parent company. So you know, Colliers in particular was having a, a troubled troubled time, and and I think you had to you had to work hard, and I think that's where I learned that hard work pays off. I think that, that quickly realised that you get out what you put in, and and that was quite evident at quite quite an early stage in the career. All right, guys. So let's project ourselves then past the GFC. As your careers now are are developing, 
Rich, if I ask, ask you this question, you know, what was the next big challenge for you personally? One of the big impacts on, on me uh, as I was at that point entering my 30s was losing my mum, who passed away very quickly and, and unexpectedly. And I think at that point in time, that event shaped a lot of my thinking and a lot of my decision making. And once it kind of going through that, I realised, right, you know, I'm here, I'm, I'm in a job. What do I need to do now to push on? Whether it was a sense of wanting, you know, you always want to make your parents proud, but whether it was a sense of wanting to prove a point, I, I don't know. But at that point in my life, I wanted to get to the top and I didn't know whether that was going to be at the top of Colliers, running Colliers, or whether it was going to be my own business. But I realised at that moment in time, I needed to make a decision to put myself in a position to excel. Okay. Matt, what about you? Yeah, my story was slightly different. So I had spent time learning about real estate. I'd like everybody else. I've been through my APC. I'd understood, you know, how to manage real estate and and the value of doing that well. But I wanted to understand not only why people bothered buying and selling real estate, but also how you could create greater value from real estate. And ultimately, let, let's be honest, that the, the reason for that is because one day I hope that I could get incredibly rich doing it. Um, and I'm still trying to find find how I do that. But, um, <laughs> but, but, um, but I... I therefore decided to 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 go client side and I, I suppose that that was the the next chapter of the the story for me. All right, well, let's let's stick with that then. So let's introduce that what it, what's happens in this next chapter. Okay, well, at a time when it was incredibly hard to get jobs client side everybody told you you needed experience in the sec you know you needed experience of asset management well the only way I was going to get experience was to be client side so I had to get client side so ultimately I actually ended up um, initially going to the city of London corporation who were they own a huge amount of real estate not only the local authority to the city obviously but they own a huge amount of real estate and and had a very exciting portfolio but I think I instantly realized and I think Rich probably could tell you I, that I instantly sort of realized my entrepreneurial edge was not going to be able to to be at fruition there. So I jumped ship to what was then the the darling of the, the stock market, this new company, Capital and Counties or Capco. Uh, it had just formed. It was being led by Ian Hawksworth and, and it was um, creating new stories in the real estate industry for for two main reasons one because it had bought covent garden and and was doing some amazing things around placemaking and 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 sort of destination retail and and the second one was because it had bought the exhibition businesses in Earl's Court and Olympia and ultimately that was where I got my interest in operational real estate because essentially Earlscourt and uh, Olympia were two operational real estate assets and and from there onwards I suppose I didn't I didn't look back well then same question again then Matt just a few years later you know what what are you learning about yourself now yes yeah, so I guess what am I learning I, I'm learning that I like the entrepreneurial edge i like doing things slightly differently i like doing things that were 
not run of the mill. I always wanted to ask a slightly different question. I always wanted to ask how I could do it differently with ultimately with an eye of how to create more money. And that sort of shone through. So I was always at Capco trying to find the next opportunity to try and create more money. And and I was asked at the time by the execs as part of a junior team to come up with some entrepreneurial ways to make money. And mine and I ran it for for a while, this this idea of well, we're not buy, we're not building enough homes in the UK, so why don't we go and buy golf courses? And working with the then chief investment officer, Gary Ardley, we came up with a strategy to buy Crown Golf, which was a huge land bank of strategic land. And that really sort of crystallized this idea to me that, you know, sort of entrepreneurial real estate ownership, the sort of idea of finding the opportunity was where others don't see it. And ultimately doing that through operational real estate was was what I found to be quite exciting. Rich, what about you? I asked Matt about you know what he was what he was learning about himself then in this sort of adolescence of the of the career. What about you? Well, I think that goes back to my kind of response earlier in respect of getting into my thirties and wanting to get to the top, and more by more by luck than judgment, I decided to focus on operational real estate. I made the decision that I need to be different to everybody else and do something different to everybody else so being in the investment team it wasn't about following the the usual retail or office or industrial investment I I then kind of fell into this world of operational real estate and wanted to learn as much as I could about operational real estate understanding P&Ls and in a way I think that linked back to my earlier years which I've only just considered now, but in, in a way, I think that linked back to my earlier years of maybe having an eye on accounting and working with P and Ls and balance sheets, and and kind of taking that interest forward in real estate. Now that sounds like that was the sort of the the less trodden path. Everyone around you, presumably, you know, uh, is in brokerage. You you, took, you you mentioned there sort of in industrial retail office. Yeah, Why Nick, not stay? There? Yeah, Nick. I think sorry, I interrupt you, but I think you hit the nail on the head. Like when we set out into the operational markets, it didn't really exist to any great extent. I remember when I first so I went from Capco to IQ, and really it was only Rich and I that were talking about it. But I remember going to Capco saying, "Oh, you know, sorry, but I'm I'm going to leave and, and go somewhere else." And and they said, "Well, where are you going?" I said, "I'm going to IQ Student Accommodation," and they were like. Oh, who's that then? Yeah, well, good luck. And nobody really knew it. Student, didn't, you know, student accommodation, student housing, operational real estate didn't really exist. You know, and this is only, we're only going back 10 years. We're not going back a huge amount of time, not even that, maybe seven or eight years. But it was, a, it was really at its infancy. I think, Rich, you had a similar story, you know, when you were in the hotel markets. I don't think it was really as well established as it is now. No, certainly not. I think at the time... You know, my, my friends that or, or, or other agents that, that were doing out of town retail, high street retail, city office investment, they couldn't understand why I'd made that decision to, to get involved in a sector that nobody really understood, nobody was really investing in. And, and it, it was kind of a, an also run as, as part of the, the main property makeup. Yeah. And, and I think taking that on, Rich, I think it's one of the problems that the sector's got now in that there isn't the depth of knowledge or expertise 
in the sector, whether that's from the brokerage world or whether it's, you know, asset management skill set or whether it's professional services skill set, there's there is a complete lack of um, depth in that because it's such a new sector relative to the kind of conventional sectors. So that that begs the question, guys, isn't you? Know, if it's if everyone around you at, at that time is is asking you why or or you know or giving you a little, a little sort of side stare, why do it? What did you see that others didn't? I, I saw. I saw I've, I've never been frightened to to roll the dice. I've never been frightened to do something different. And as I've commented before, it's uh, my my approach has always been, let's go for it. And it, and if if it's not the right path, then we'll pivot. And then if that's not the right path, we'll pivot again. But we'll get there. And and that was my my view with with these this this sector. I mean, it had my interest more. You know that there's there's it's much more. Or, or for me at the time, it was much more interesting to to go and see a, see a hotel. See, see how the, the the restaurants operated. See if that's integral to, to the the business offer. You know, it's much better than than going to a big shed in the middle of nowhere, getting my shoes messed up. Um, you know, freezing cold, standing trying to measure something a million times bigger than me. It it, it just didn't have my interest. Whereas this this sector, everyone who's an industrial them. agent has just turned off rich. <laughs> <laughs> well, they just. Well, I think they've got the, the impression that you know Richard you know, is, enjoys his Italian loafers too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nick, I came at it slightly differently. I think, firstly, I not a footwear it, decision. No, not a footwear decision. Though I can see how it was influential in Richard's life, knowing how he dresses. Um, I, um, I, it allowed me the flexibility to do what I did best because I took the skill set from a more traditional sector into a sector which was only just emerging. So all those things that you could learn in a conventional sector about how to sweat the asset, how to crystallize greater value, you know, from whether that's re-gearing a lease and appreciate operational worlds don't necessarily have as many leases as the conventional sectors, but all the way across from capital expenditure and uh, investment in the asset that was really at the nuance in the operational market. And you were able to crystallize something new. And I think in a platform like IQ that was owned by Goldman and Sachs, who um, at the time and still do really sweat their real estate holding and really saw the opportunity for crystallizing greater value, then that that sort of really gelled with me. And I, and I really, really enjoyed that, that, that opportunity. The other thing, of course, about the operational markets that I kind of gleaned quite early on was that there isn't, the data is really compelling. You know, there isn't enough student housing. There isn't enough homes being built. And the reality is that when you put that together, there there is an underlying thematic investment strategy in the operational markets, which makes it very compelling relative to the other sectors at the moment. And I think that's going to continue. So I think we both saw very early on that we could be very, you know, we could have successful careers uh, in the alternatives market. Okay. Well, that, that tees up then very nice in the next big question for me. So myself and the listeners now understand a bit more about your uh, your thoughts on why operational. When does the idea of doing this for yourselves crop up? When does that start, you know, start to take root? Well, I'll go first, Nick, because <laughs> it, it didn't for me. Uh, I was very happy 
um, <laughs> working, <laughs> working, working for somebody paying me a salary. But unfortunately, um, Rich got to my wife and um, <laughs> I, <Steady. laughs> I managed to persuade her that it would be great for me to come and join the join Rich. But you tell the story better than I do. <laughs> um, I, I think once I'd got involved in in this sector, um, you know, I, I think a key a key thing for me was, and and still do, I love my job, and I, I know I've got yeah I've got some really good long term friends of you know thirty five years plus. They don't love their job. They they are yet to find a job that they love, and I do think in myself. I'm lucky because I, I have found a job that I really love and I, I enjoy doing it every day. I, I enjoy thinking about it. And I got to that stage kind of in my mid-30s. I then wanted to do it for myself because I, I wanted to take all of the good things that I, I had learned and was learning, get get rid of the bad things. Um, and I've kind of... At that point, I was starting to think, all right, it's not going to be now, but there will be a time where I'm going to do this for myself and I'm going to do it with some other really good people and we're just going to have so much fun and we are going to do so well. And and that kind of stayed with me for, for a number of years and until it, it actually translated into setting up a business and, and getting to where we are today. Where's Matt's wife come in? Well... <laughs> <laughs> Thank God you asked me. It was it, we, we were at a, we were at a mutual friend's wedding, and, and Matthew was was best man, and it, just by by luck, really, you know, he, he was there with his wife, and um, and I, I just thought this was my opportunity, and um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> and I, I I spent the day pitching the idea to her that Matthew, with his skill set which, you know, I, I hate to admit it, but he has a very uh, different skill set to me, which is excellent within our industry. And with his skill set, I could just see how that would translate into offering a phenomenal business service. And eventually, after, you know, several glasses of champagne and, and a whole day, I, I think she wanted to get rid of me more than anything, but she said, look, I'll have a chat with him. And... Um, you know, lo and behold, a couple of days later, I got the phone call to say, right, let's chat. And, and we did. And, and and I think hopefully he's he's forgiven me now and he, he can see the wonderful things that we're doing. I have. I'm not sure Rach has. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I The attraction, Nick, to, to sort of the area business, from me sitting the other side, client side, I saw the advice that was given and I saw where the advice could be better presented, better used, better, or innate, sorry, enable me to get ahead slightly than the rest of the market. I think that the sector are not do, doing any of our peer group any disservice, but I think in the alternative space, the, the advice is very much centered around brokerage services and, you know, here's your rents, here's your yields, 
that's your capital value. Here's the evidence. Here's your data around, you know, student numbers or housing numbers or rental statistics. But, you know, nowadays, I think the clients expect more and, and, and they actually expect you to present to them the business plan, the strategy that you can execute. Where can they find or curate more value from their asset than the, than the rest of the market? What's the narrative that they're going to take to their investment committee that's going to see that asset traded or, sorry, that asset bought before other assets that they're looking at. And you have to be more than just a data center for the client. Yes, the data is important, but you've got to come up with a thesis of investment for them as well. And and I saw by going into area, I think we could do it differently and we are doing it differently. We are providing very bespoke, very granular operating experience-led advice as opposed to just regurgitating market data all right guys let's move on so that's that's the that's the seed for area what's the reality been like hard work how hard very much harder than you ever think you know yeah rich and i talk about it one minute we're doing our day job then we're hr then we're finance then we're marketing then you're you're going to collect the milk from the local shop because we haven't got any of the staff, you know, staff need need drink so much coffee and tea that you can't imagine, and and it's it's putting on the hats. Rich, do you agree? Yeah, I, th- I think you know. I, I ultimately, again, you know, we've we've discussed it, but you wake up in the morning and you think, right, well, I don't have to pay my mortgage today. I've got to pay eight mortgages. Yeah, um, and you know, it's it's our choice to do it. No, no, there's no complaint. But it, it does change your your view on things. It, it does change your perspective. Does it give more hunger? Possibly. But it, I, I would say, I, I think it it does give us the the impetus to to really want to succeed, and to succeed in being the best. And and that's the drive that and 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 the the level that you're aiming for that takes away all of the. Um, not problems, but but you know the difficulties because running a business is difficult. You're you're doing things that as as much as you try and prepare, you, and and as much as you try and learn, you're always going to be faced with things that come from left field that you didn't anticipate, and it's it's how you manage those situations that define whether you success succeed or fail. We we say to each other, don't we? We try and get more right than we get wrong, but we know we're going to get stuff wrong because um, you don't know what you don't know. If that makes sense, you 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 can only really manage for what you know. But when you set up a business, you know we're real estate people, but we're now running a, an entity which is more than real estate, and it's get, you, you're going to hit crossroads, and you've got to make decisions in the moment. You know, whether that's recruitment, whether that's pitching for certain work, whether that's sort of what office you have, whether you spend your money on different areas of the business from marketing to people to, you know, whatever service you're trying to provide. And I think that's always been a challenge for us to understand that we're not always going to get it right. And you do only know what you know, and there's going to be stuff that you just simply don't know but you shouldn't beat yourself up for it. I, I just add to that, though, you, you touched on, you know, people a couple of times there. I, I think that that's one thing which 
that's one thing that really carries us. We we have, and, and, and I think, you know, every business will, will say, every business owner, every individual running a business will, will say this. Oh, our, our people are our core, our people are brilliant. Well, yes, we, we own the business. Yes, we run the business. But we've got brilliant people. We, we have a, a fantastic vibe in, in the office. You know, we, we don't have to worry about people working from home. I, I say worry, you know, that uh, there, there's this whole rhetoric in the marketplace about people not returning the office. Well, our guys want to come into the office because they want to be there. Um, we, we make sure we create an environment that even when things are tough, we're all in it together it's it's the people that's it's the the culture that we focus on and if if you get that right and it really is key to get that right if you get that right at an early stage then all of the problems can come and go you know they're, they're just challenges you, you you face them you adapt you, you deal with them and you move on and and everybody is on the same page yeah i think we have that luxury rich because we've got a business where we want everybody set up for success we you know if people in our business succeed then we succeed then the business succeeds and it grows and it flourishes and it develops and i think somewhere along the line maybe in some of the bigger corporate organizations that may have been forgotten a bit that actually people are there for you to develop you know that are that are working with you you're there to nurture their progression of their career as well it sometimes comes across that people are a part of a machine and they're helping you drive the machine forward, but, you know, are a bit of a number, not a, not a person. And, and in our business, you know, we just want the team to succeed. I want them to be the best that they can possibly be at the job that they do, because if they do, the business grows and flourishes and becomes more successful. And I think that's really important for us. Well, guys, you know, with, the time the time's been sort of ticking away uh, and you know i've got to, i've got to start to to wrap this up but i can't i can't wrap it up until, until i know what's coming next so i'm going to ask you each a different a different question you know matt i want to know what's the next big challenge on the radar and rich i want to know what you're looking forward to most so matt you go first biggest challenge I think we've established ourselves as providing market leading advice in an area of the market where it hasn't necessarily provided such high levels of expertise at a granular level. So I think we've we've done that. But our biggest challenge is how do we how do we make that bigger? How do we grow it? How do we how are we known for being the best across all alternative sector? sort of work streams not just student or btr or or investment brokerage for the hotel sector but but how do we how do we start to grow that and how do we develop that to 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 take on more skills more skills in the business and and also how do we sort of uh, get our name out there even more and, and really start to 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 sort of be a point of distinction in the marketplace rich what about you what are you looking forward to the most I look forward to the opportunities that I know will come down the line, but I'm not thinking about them at the moment. I'm, I look forward to getting that idea, having somebody make a suggestion, you know, ha having a client make a request that, that just gets us thinking differently to, to, to the routine. So, so I, I, I always believe that, something will happen whatever journey that you're on some something will come down the line and you won't know why at that moment in time but you'll 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 get on with it 
and then you'll see ah okay that's why that happened here we go we're doing this and and i think that we we between us and and the guys and girls who who work with us i think we we all have drive we all we all want to push on and I, and i think at, at some point i'm looking forward to to seeing what comes down the line that that we're going to get on with next that's going to project us to the the next phase of of area well guys thank you so much for sharing these uh, these stories there's no doubt that our audience will have really enjoyed listening to this. It's always one of the most sort of interesting aspects of our guests is when we've got someone then who has who has had the idea of doing something for themselves and going going ahead and doing it. And so when I've been able to get both of you guys on there who've come up to this idea individually and made it a success, I think it makes it even more interesting and fascinating to listen. So thanks again, guys. Thanks, thanks Nick. Nick.